0: Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Cliff Ravenscraft. Podcasting gave me an opportunity as a hobby to minister to tens of thousands of people all over the world. And from that moment, there was this dream. I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance. And I set that dream. It was about 18 months, became full time self employed as the podcast answer man and built a business that trained over 40,000 people how to podcast, made several million dollars in the process, and then decided, I wonder what, what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of teaching people how to podcast.
1: Hi there, and welcome back to the Personal Brand and Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle. And every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing and monetizing their expertise, intentionally growing a unique personal brand and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device on your hand, then just hit subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode. And if you are a regular listener, then consider sharing this show with just one person. It's the very best way you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. So we are in for a treat today. I can promise you that. I've been looking forward to this chat for a while now, and today is the day. My guest is the undisputed king of podcasting hill, Cliff Ravenscraft. Cliff, welcome to my humble show.
0: Bob, I am super delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: No, thank you for making the time. And I've told you, I have so many questions. But for the listener who's maybe meeting you for the first time, could you tell us, maybe just give us a whistle-stop tour of the world of Cliff Ravenscraft? Sure. So
0: a couple of things to know about me. I've been a tech geek since I was a kid. My first computer was a Commodore VIC-20. Taught myself how to program BASIC. Uh, Let's see here. I also am a person of faith. And there was a great long season of life from the time I was 18 all the way up until 2010. I was convinced I was going to be a pastor full-time one day. So that's something to know about me. And in 1996, after I got married, my family, my mom and dad, invited me to come work in the family business, an insurance agency that was started by my grandfather in 1937. I said, I'll come work for you. By the way, they wanted to hire me to set up and and take their compu- their paper filing system and, and everything that was all done out of manuals and install software on computers so that they could actually run their uh, agency through software. So that's why they hired. I said, I will come do your computer work and I will come work in the family business on two stipulations. Number one, that you'll never ask me to get my insurance license because I have no desire to be in the family business long-term. Number two, if I'm ever offered an opportunity to become a pastor full-time, no matter how much less money I would be offered, you have to give me your full blessing, and they agreed to that. Long story made short, I ended up getting uh, all the stuff set up on computers, I then became an over-glorified and overpaid file clerk in the family <laughs> business. We started having children, my wife and I, and I saw an opportunity that, you know, here I am doing all this computer stuff for all these quotes. My dad's getting all the money for this. He's not allowed to share with me commissions because of how the laws work with insurance. He said, if you just go sit in this class for 40 hours, get your license, I can start paying you extra money. I'm like, sweet, I'll go do that. So ultimately, I ended up getting my auto, home, life, business, health insurance, all of the stuff, property, casualty, life, and health. And r- what I realized after a couple of years, I started to see my income go way up. I became incredibly successful as a salesperson. I, in fact, I loved selling because I, I saw the selling that I was doing as an incredible service to people in my community. And in fact, I got to the place where after maybe about seven or eight years of insurance, the idea of becoming a pastor one day was no longer a dream or a vision of mine. Because at church, if I was a pastor of my own church, I might be able to reach a few hundred people every week within the community. Whereas as an insurance agent in my parents' business, I'm reaching thousands of people in my community every single week. All right, so now fast forward an entire decade, it's 2005, my wife and I decided to start podcasting about a television show called Lost. And we were one of the first few hundred podcasters in existence. there It was a, I'm an early adopter to technology. That's why I dropped that in that I'm a technology geek. So we started podcasting about the television show Lost. There were already five other shows about this TV show, or five other podcasts devoted to this TV show. They had already created a network where they had a shared podcast feed, and by our third episode, we were invited to syndicate our content in the network feed. So by our third podcast episode, Bob, we had more than 27,000 people listening to us.
1: Oof, that's a treat. You would would struggle to get that these days.
0: Exactly.
1: So now here's
0: this television show talking about all good cowboys have daddy issues and tabula rasa, which means starting over with a clean slate. And my wife and I are just doing this as a hobby. We're just having fun. We're playing around. But people are hearing us tell our stories and how we're resonating with what's going on in a fictional television show. And the questions I started to get via email were so sincere so personal and in a way offered me an opportunity to be of ministry or of service or of encouragement or of support and help well beyond anything i had ever experienced within the traditional institutionalized church and don't get me wrong that i saw my ministry if you will as an insurance agent it was pretty powerful i mean as an insurance agent, I was often sometimes the first person or at least one of the first three people that a family member would call if their child was just killed in a car accident, a husband had just died in his sleep, and you know all this other stuff, a, a tornado, a house fire, all sorts of tragedy and crisis moments happening in people's lives for thousands in my community. And I had that opportunity. But all of a sudden, podcasting gave me an opportunity as a hobby to minister to tens of thousands of people all over the world. And from that moment, there was this dream. I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance. And I set that dream. It was about 18 months, became full-time self-employed as the podcast answer man, and built a business that trained over 40,000 people how to podcast, made several million dollars in the process, and then decided, I wonder what, what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of teaching people how to podcast. And that, what is that this for a living? It's the same exact thing I asked a decade earlier. And it is, I wonder what it would be like if I could just have conversations, use my voice to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire others. I wonder what life would be like if I could be paid incredibly well to be of ministry, support, encouragement, help, and hope to others.
1: So there is a lot to unpack there. And I think there's a lot to relate to. The question that I had prepared for, for when you stop talking, because I, I have to have a prepared question, was all about the ROI on podcasting. We're going to talk about that later. But what I want to speak about is these moments of, okay, I have a great living, I have a great life, but there's a, there's a calling beyond that. Now, most people that either don't have that calling or they don't pay attention to it, or it never really burns to the point where they need to take action. But I think even for those people who do feel, you know, I think there's maybe something else I could do. They're often trapped in that comfort of the, the group, the good lifestyle or the safe space. What, did the process of moving from that well-paid job into this new dark space look like on on each occasion
0: yeah well the first occasion going from insurance to full-time self-employed it was an emotional roller coaster i had experienced my highest highs the most exciting excited moments of my lifetime. I can't believe that I'm going to do this. This is incredible. And I actually had my lowest lows, my deepest, darkest moments of depression, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt. Who do I think I am? What have I done? What if I fail? What if everybody hates me? What if all this other stuff is like, oh my gosh. so, So it was the highest highs and the lowest lows. And I had given myself a 90-day notice when I went to my dad and said, I'm leaving and transitioning. And I remember just experiencing so much fear that one day I went to him and I said, listen, I was wondering if I could work out an arrangement where maybe for the first few months of 2008, instead of leaving completely, I work here three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then that would give me Tuesdays and Thursdays to build up what I'm doing in my business and it gives me the weekends. And my dad, I'm sitting there thinking, of course he's gonna support this idea, right? And he says, absolutely not. You can't serve two masters. You're either gonna put 100% into what it is that you're doing or you're gonna put 100% here. But I can tell you right now, if you were to do that, you will not put 100% here. And you you cannot put hundred percent there. You need to. I I am a business owner. I've owned multiple businesses through my lifetime, and I will tell you, go and do this. You'll never regret going and doing it. The only thing you might regret is one day staying here, having had this dream and not pursuing it. So. There's no guarantee in your mind that you will succeed, but I'm going to tell you with everything I know about building a successful business, there is no way you're going to fail. But you're not going to learn that until you put everything you got into it.
1: I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I've worked with business owners my whole life. That's all I've ever done. And it has astonished me that this is not to suggest you aren't a smart guy, but being a smart guy isn't a prerequisite for running a successful business. Staying power is probably one of the most important factors of success because you learn through failure. The more failure you have, the shorter the gap between where you are and winning. I'm sure you must have had failures, especially with this first business.
0: Oh, absolutely. So my biggest struggles when I first started full-time self-employment, I had lived an entire lifetime as an employee. I had never really considered the idea that I would ever be a business owner. Even though, crazy enough, everything, all the legalities, the contracts, everything were in place for me to take over the family business as soon as my dad retired or in the event that something would happen to him. But even then, I'm still not thinking of that as a business owner. In fact, Bob, this may sound impossible to imagine, but if you were, if I were to attend a conference and say, who are the entrepreneurs in the room here? Who, who in this room is a business owner? I'd be looking around to see who would raise their hand, not to think to, to actually raise my hand myself because I didn't think of myself as a business owner. And in fact, I just thought of myself as somebody who's working and trying to make a living and pull things off. And my head was so wrapped up around the idea of, How do I earn enough money to provide for my stay at home wife who takes care of our three young children? That's the only thing. It's like I had this lucrative career and now I've got to figure out how to make a living on my own and pay for my health insurance and pay for all of the other overhead in this business and all these crazy, insane taxes as a business owner. Wow, I never had to deal with this before. And As an employee, there was never a time in my life like when I was ever paid hourly that I ever made more than, I don't know, $15 an hour, $18 an hour, $22 an hour. I can't remember the last time I was an employee, but it wasn't a lot. And here I was. I was asking clients to pay me $50 an hour for my technical expertise and coaching related to the technical aspects of launching a podcast. And I loved it. So here I am asking people to pay me money for the thing I most love to do in this world. And I felt guilty about asking people money. And I felt guilty about asking people to pay me twice as much money as I've ever been paid to do anything before. And I and the things I got paid half as much or not even half, half as much, I hated and despised. <laughs> so I had all sorts of messed up issues when it came to my beliefs about money. I used to believe that people paid you for an hour of your time, so you get paid by the hour for the hour that you invest. I used to believe that you know people pay you more for the things you most ha- um, hate to do. I used to believe the more difficult something is, the more money you should earn by doing that task. And here I I went to, gosh, I, I, I just wanna help serve you. I just wanna be here and support you. I absolutely love what I'm doing, and by the way, there's you can come, come to me with the deepest, most challenging technical issue related to launching your podcast, and it is absolutely a no-brainer to me. Simple. I eat, drink, sleep this stuff. In an instant, I have the answers to your issues. So my struggle in the first year is that I worked 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week, every week for nine months in 2008 never taking a single day off and not earned a single penny during the first nine months. As far as a personal income, I paid for health insurance. I paid for all the business overhead. I paid my CPA. I paid my taxes and all this other stuff. But Cliff Ravenscraft never got a paycheck for the first nine months. Then finally, I decided to go take some money out of my retirement account to, you know, help pay the bills. And, uh, They, of course, I was told that that was the worst thing you could possibly ever do, especially here in the states. There's 25% penalty, you know, all the taxes on it and stuff like that. Except for the fact that right after this was the 2008 market crash, and so I actually ended up, you know, it was better getting a loan because I would have lost a whole lot more money than the taxes that I paid. Anyway, that, that that's a little side story. But after nine months, I finally decided to take a day off Sundays, and. The only way that I could convince myself to take a single day off was by increasing the number of hours I work the other six days of the week. I'm like, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to be profitable. During the final three months, I was profitable. I ended up bringing a total of $11,000 net income home after taxes. So, my I I sit there and thought, oh my gosh, I don't don't know how I'm ever going to make a living doing this. This is no way. This is nothing compared to what I was making before. This This, something's got to change. Oh, and by the way, I celebrated my first year of full-time self-employment in the hospital where I almost died. So, I had extreme gallstones and had one stuck in my cystic duct, almost died in the hospital. And yeah, so did I ever have some failure? Did I have some struggle? Yeah. That first year was, and the craziest things is I have, I was riddled with anxiety and riddled with worry and, and doubt and all of those things, but not so much that I ever doubted that this was the exactly the thing I was supposed to do with my life. I never questioned the decision. I never once thought about going back to my mom and dad's insurance office I knew for a fact this is what I'm meant to do in this world. And there is a way to be profitable. And I am committed to finding that way. But by the end of 2008, I had not found it yet.
1: Well, I know you've found it now. And I think that's probably where I would like to go. But before I get into essentially what you get paid for now, I'd like to look at the elephant in the room for me, which is. I opened Apple Podcasts. I typed in Cliff Ravenscraft. You have 15 podcasts. Maybe I have more.
0: 48 podcasts. Okay.
1: The majority of the 15 that I counted are active. So they're not like dormant yeah. podcasts. I get asked all the time, where's the ROI on podcasting? From clients who are maybe thinking about launching a podcast or people that I'm talking about it with. How do you answer that question? Because you obviously have to answer that question yourself because you're putting so much time into that. And you're not a stupid guy.
0: No, I'm not a stupid guy at all. And the <laughs> how do I answer the return on investment? I think each person's going to have to come up with their own an- answer to this. It's kind of like answering the question, you know, what is success? Because in, in fact, that's really what the question ROI is. What's your ROI? How, do, how will you know if you're successful with yeah. this venture? So first and foremost, how I first calculate my ROI, and I know this sounds like a cop-out and it's like, that can't really be the thing, but I don't think about money first when I think about ROI. I think about living in alignment with who I am and who I feel most called to be in this world, what I feel my main purpose in this world. My main purpose in this world is not to earn money and to pay bills and to do all this other stuff. My main purpose in this world is to experience life to its fullest and to take everything that I'm experiencing in life and evaluate it in such a way that I can learn and grow. And for me personally, I consider all of the above that I've stated. Now, this is not for everybody. I don't put this on anyone else. This is my own feeling about who I am. But living and experiencing life, learning and growing has no value unless I can take that and share it with others. That's since I was 18 years old. Remember, that's, that's why I start off every time I love yeah. when I get this question, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, let me tell you about my tech geeky thing. And let me let me also just throw in that faith element, that ministry aspect. I feel that I was created by the creator of all things to be of service and value to others, to take everything that I'm learning and just pour it out and serve and give and to share, to teach, to educate, to encourage, to inspire, to motivate, to help people break free from anything keeping them from living the life they feel called to live. So the first thing is, is that a podcast gives me the opportunity to talk and share all of those things that I'm experiencing, all the things that I'm learning, how I'm growing, the, the things that work, the things that don't work, the plans I'm making, the results that I'm getting, the changes to the approach, everything. First and foremost, my return on investment is that I get to be fully me.
1: Looking at your business now, how do you get paid? What is it that actually pays the bills within your ecosystem, if you like? So
0: I get paid today. Today from two main sources. There are plenty of others that I can tap into anytime I want, and I'm happy to share even authentic, transparent numbers with you. But I have two paid mastermind groups for self-employed business owners that meet together every single week. It is a one-year commitment to join. It's $12,000 if you pay in full, or it's $1,250 per month if you choose to pay monthly. So it ends up being $15,000. All right, so I have two different groups that I facilitate every single week and I can have up to 10 to 12 people in each of those groups at any one time. I've been doing this specific, the Next Level Mastermind exactly as it is today. It has now been four years as of this month and I've already generated over $1 million in revenue just from that alone. Then my other primary source of, income is my one-on-one coaching slash mentoring. tend to do a lot for entrepreneurial-minded, business-minded people, but I do a lot of coaching for corporate leaders and, well, actually anybody who wants to experience transformation in their life. And my coaching typically is no less than $12,000 a year or $15,000 if you choose to pay monthly. And I very rarely ever take a client that doesn't commit to at least a one-year relationship with me, and we have one 90-minute call every single month. So during the pandemic, to give you an example, those were the only two sources of income, and I was actually selling a package at the time, which was mastermind group with one-on-one coaching. So it was actually $24,000 if you paid in full or it was $2,250 a month. That included membership in the mastermind group plus one 90-minute call with me. As a result of that, during the pandemic, for 18 months straight, I worked three days a week, no more than 12 hours a week, and generated an average of $29,500 every
1: single month. So a lot of people will be listening to that thinking, because you'll have people sitting up now. I think- Some people are motivated by mission and impact and things like that. Other people are motivated by money, pure and simple. I have a friend who runs a business that would bore the pants off me, but it's a brilliant, really profitable business. I would rather do anything than that business. I'm much more in the impact space. For me, it really is about the mission, but you need to eat. Now, there will be lots of people listening, thinking, I would love Cliff Raven's craft business, but obviously it didn't come to you overnight. It did not. What is a mystery to me, and I think a lot of people will resonate with this, is when you talk about the kind of pricing that you talk about, some people will immediately react with, I'd never get away with charging those prices. And they literally mean now and never. One of the things that I spotted on your website was this description of this gap between where you are and where you would like to be. And for some reason, people never manage to close the gap. What's your perspective on that? And how do you help people work through that?
0: It's one phrase. All beliefs have consequences. Everything we do in life is belief-driven. And the reason why I had the greatest struggle bridging the gap between what I desired to have as my experience of life and what was my experience of life the whole reason I had an issue that first year, and I only made $11,000, it was not because of lack of experience. It was not a lack of area of expertise. It was not a lack of confidence in the value that I have. It had everything to do with what I believed. It had to do with what I believed about, about business. By the way, I believe that business, at the time, I was not consciously aware of this, but I believed that business is bad. And that people who own businesses are looking for no other, no other outcome other than to squeeze as much money out of your wallet as they possibly can. that they are the ones who will manipulate you to buying their products and services, no matter if you need it or not. I, I again, I did not know that I had these beliefs, but they were ingrained deep within me. And I worked so hard not to to be a business owner. I'll say that word, I'll say that again. I worked hard to not be a business owner. Do you realize just a few moments ago in this conversation, I said, if you were to put me into a room and say, hey, who here owns a business? Who here is a business owner? I wouldn't have thought to enter to raise my hand because to raise my hand would say, I'm one of those sleazy, horrible people. <laughs> and i didn't even know that that's what but it was an unconscious thing so the first thing and of course this is i already talked about i used to believe that people pay you for your money people or pay you money for your hour people pay you money for things that are difficult and challenging that are hard and all this other stuff so all of those things kept me from reaching my fullest potential bridging the gap i could not earn the money that i earn today if I did not, number one, become aware of the beliefs that I had that were holding me back, and number two, did some work to evaluate what's the source of those beliefs and ask myself the all-important question, are they true? Is there evidence to the contrary? And then learn how to disassociate, remove those beliefs, and actually realize that a belief is not true. One of the beliefs I had, Bob, early in the days was that a belief is something that is true, you know. You believe something because it's true. It's it's irrefutable, and because I believe what I believe, and and I grew up, by the way, in a hardcore fundamentalist evangelical Christian upbringing. So I was this was hardwired inside of me when it comes to conditioned way to think and see the world. It's like, man, I believe this, and there is no other way to see the world other than this truth. I, that's, it's it's called a belief for a reason, and. One day, I was confronted with a different definition of a belief, and it's one that I use today. A belief is nothing more than a thought that you have some emotional feeling is true.
1: Mm, I have lots of those. Again, looking back to where you were and where you are now, what did the process of changing those beliefs look like? Yeah, I, I can imagine there's a lot of pain as you're moving through these.
0: Yeah, it well the pain that I experienced as I moved through these were they're welcomed. So mm. the failures, the setbacks, the trials, all, matter of fact, every time I fail at something today that is a that where I'm where I've got a gap between what I want right now and what I'm currently experiencing, and every time I run into a problem and experience a pain, I look forward to it, it's it's like, wow, what can I discover about my beliefs that are keeping me from experiencing my fullest potential in this new thing that I wanna go after? So I like the pain, quite frankly, and the pain is always, the pain is nothing more than a result from an action, and actions are nothing more than something that we do because of how we think and feel, and I realize that how we think and feel has everything to do with what we believe. So it's it's just, it's a a simple equation. So how did I begin to bridge the gap? I began to evaluate, I questioned everything. I literally deconstructed everything everyone ever told me is true. I began to, is that true? Is that true? And it started with things like money, and and so many other things, but I, I even got to the place where ultimately it's like, gosh, is it true what I've been taught about God you know and and so i I've done a lot now I've still very much hold to a lot of the values and I'm very much a very much a man of faith today and have a lot of core beliefs that are still there but how I would go about expressing my belief and and what my beliefs are about those, it's vastly different than what. I had before because the beliefs I had before would not allow me to experience financial wealth in my life. The beliefs that I had before would not allow me to experience margin in time. Like, for example, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning, invested the first four hours of my day reading, journaling, praying, meditating, and then I spent about 20 to 35 minutes you know, looking up Bob and saying, who's who am I talking to? Let me read about his about page. What is he up to in the world? How does he show up? All of this other stuff. Thank, Being thankful and filled with gratitude for this opportunity to connect with you. And then after
1: this, I'm done for the day. One of the beliefs I think a lot of people have about success online in particular is that you need to have lots of fancy funnels. Do what the bro marketers tell you you need to do throw lots of money at ads. That's the only path to success. One of the things that I like about when I explore your ecosystem is it's simple. There's a lot of simplicity around what you do. And for me, I think there's a lot of belief that complexity equals profitability. What's your perspective on that? Because I think you have a perspective. In fact, I know you have a perspective that's having a profound impact on my business right now. Let's be honest. You recommended the book, The Prosperous Coach, to me, which has really changed a lot of beliefs that I have. But what is your perspective on this complexity versus simplicity and profitability?
0: There are a couple of phrases that come to my mind. Complexity is the enemy of execution. Mm. Complexity is the enemy of execution. And the second phrase that comes to my mind as I hear this, most people— are over obligated and under committed.
1: I'm having to write this down.
0: That's fine. Feel free to write down. (laughs) Yeah. So what do those two statements mean to me? Well, complexity is the enemy of execution. I, I am surrounded with the internet marketing professionals. I mean, my best friends are people like Michael Hyatt, Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, Ray Edwards, Ray Edwards International, Amy Porterfield, Stu McLaren. I mean, I could list all of my peers that I've done life with for the last decade. And they're all incredibly powerful internet marketers who have $2,000 courses that you can sign up to learn how to do all of those incredibly powerful funnels. And by the way, they do work and they are incredibly powerful. And I have made use of them And I will continue to make use of them. None of them is required for me to generate $30,000 to $50,000 a month every single month in my business. I just have the ability. I've invested enough time, effort, and energy to learn about those systems. I've learned why they work, how they work. And I found a way of implementing those funnels, those systems in a way that is in alignment with my value of serving others first and making sure that only the people who are a really good fit for these products and services are, are buying them. And let, I mean, I don't get me wrong. If somebody wants to throw a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars my way for something that they have no need in, but they have lots of money to spend. I I don't mind that. (laughs) And and you, you chuckle, but I want to tell you, I used to have a podcasting A to Z course. It was a, a $2,000 course, four-week course. And it was personal direct access to me as your coach. Now, I give you all the tutorials. You go through and watch everything. I give you assignments. But during the four weeks, you could ask me an unlimited number of questions. Generated over a million dollars from doing that course, by the way. And I had about 20 to 30 people who paid me $2,000 who I never spoke to once not once did they ever log in and watch a single video. But I will say this, I reached out to each and every one of them at least five times during the four weeks, personally asking them, where are you? How can I be of service to you? Every contact way that I had available. And yeah, but I never felt like, oh, well, gosh, I need to give them their money back. Uh, They have access to the material if they want to log in. Ironically, Bob, I did have somebody during the pandemic. He goes, hey, Cliff, you may not remember me, but I paid $2,000 for your course eight years ago. And I got to just say, my mind is blown. And he says, I just logged in from the email you sent me you know, eight years ago. And all of the co- tutorials are still there. I can't believe you still give us access to this. This is amazing. Thank you so much. I look forward to launching my podcast. And then I reached out to him, and by the way, I used the prosperous coach method, and then he paid15,000 dollars to have me as his coach for a year.
1: Nice. So I'm going to ask a question on, a question on behalf of the listener here, because I think this is an important question. Somebody's sitting at home and they are maybe struggling to charge 150 dollars a month for coaching. What should they be doing to move their mindset and their practical circumstances? Because mindset and practical circumstances, they have to kind of move in pace. But how can they move their mindset and their practical circumstances so that they are able to change their success barometer, the barometer of what's possible for them and start making more money? I know this is an impossible question.
0: It is definitely not an impossible question. In fact, I can answer it right here and radically change people's lives in this moment. Are you ready?
1: I am ready, my pen is ready.
0: So first and foremost, I wanna give you the, I wanna give credit to the author of this article. So one of the first things that I had to do was expose my own money beliefs and I had to drastically change them. I had to be confronted with a different way to think about money, a different way to believe about money. So credit here goes to Peter Shallard and you can find this at mindsetanswerman.com slash double your rates. Mindsetanswerman.com slash double your rates. All together, that's not going to take you to my website. It will forward you to his article. Go read this in full. But let me share with you what I learned more than a decade ago. And by the way, as soon as I finished reading this, I hockey stick straight up is where my income went. So let me tell you a story before I tell you the about the article. I had finally gone, I, I, my pricing journey was I went from $50 an hour and then I went to $95 an hour. For some reason, I, I was too afraid to go to 100. So 95 seemed more appeasable or appe- more probable. But then I finally raised my rates to $150 an hour. And I, by this time, I'm now in a weekly mastermind group with Pat Flynn, Michael Stelzner, and some other incredibly powerful people. And I went to my mastermind group and I said, guys, I think I'm going to raise my rates and I want to get your feedback and tell me if you think this is a bad idea. I think I want to raise my rates from $150 an hour to $200 an hour for my coaching. So they said that that's a terrible idea. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am thrilled that you kept me from making this mistake. I was afraid that I might outprice my audience. They said, no, Cliff. No, that's not what we're saying. It's a terrible idea that you raise your rates to 200. You should go to 300. Double your rates. And then I'm like, you guys are crazy. Let me tell you all the reasons, all of the excuses of why that is a terrible idea. There's no way I'm going to raise my rates to 200 or to $300. And of course, every time you have an excuse against doing something, that ex- every excuse is actually revealing a belief my, I'm going to outprice my audience. I'm here to be of service, and there's some people that I know that are already having a hard time coming up with hundred fifty dollars an hour to help me. Blah blah blah. And if I'm at three hundred, there are so many clients that I have worked with that would not have hired me. I went on and on, and of course, most of it was I'm unworthy of three hundred. There's no way people will pay me. The only way I'm going to get. $300 an hour is from corporate per- business professionals and I really don't want to work with corporate on creating a corporate podcast. They're the only people who would hire me at that rate. All of this other baloney, which by the way, I believed everything I said so fully that those guys could not convince me to raise my rates to 300. By the end of the call they said, "Okay, raise your rates to 200 because they're because you don't have the confidence or the courage that is necessary to ask for 300. If you were to ask 300, you'd fail to get it because you will telegraph your lack of confidence in that price. Then, a couple weeks later, I so I raised my rates to 200, I'm still booked six weeks in advance, and my income didn't go up all that drastically. And so my friend says, hey Cliff, read this article, and she sends me to what, what you will see if you go to mindsetanswerman.com slash double your rates. Here's the article. Pricing. It's doubling your rates doubles your success. Seven reasons why people want to pay you more. All right. So buckle up, my friends. Listen to this. Reason number one a higher price will intensify your customer's focus. When you charge more, your customers assign a higher priority to what you have to offer. The more a customer pays for a product or service, the more they will increase their focus and do the work to get a return on their investment. Hands down, this is absolutely true. The people who have paid the most work the hardest to get a return on that investment. Reason number two, people, why people want you to charge more money. Bigger transactions will ignite your motivation. When you're selling a big ticket item, you're going to get fired up. There is something special that happens when a single sale could relieve significant financial pressure. It flips a motivation switch in your brain. I don't know about you, but I think your clients want you to show up motivated in a powerful way. Reason number three, people want you to charge more money. Being expensive cultivates an aura of expert status. When you have high prices, you start to become known as the place to go for top end, elite and high quality insert name of your product here. When you gain the expert aura, selling becomes infinitely easier. Doors will open. Important people will shake your hand. Party invitations will appear. Media mentions will drop from the heavens. Now, I know this sounds like a hyperbole, but let me tell you something. There are two things about reason number three about this expert being expensive cultivates an aura of expert status. He says that when you have high prices, you become the go-to known person. So... There are, when I was Podcast Answer Man, there's three different Facebook groups that have 30 to 75,000 podcasters in them. And I never participated in them because they were not my groups. I'm just a member. I like to see what's going on in the community, see what the buzz is. And every now and then somebody says, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Can anybody recommend a good course? And they said whatever, they, there would be comments. Whatever you do, don't pay for a course. All you have to do is how to Google on YouTube. You'll find tons of free stuff. If you're going to pay for a course, you shouldn't have to pay more than a 100 bucks for it. Go over here and get this $100 course from so-and-so and stuff like that. But I had, let's just say, a few hundred people in that community who are members of this group who have taken my podcasting A to C. they And they would come in. they say, listen. It if you are on a tight budget and this is just for your personal thing, absolutely follow the advice above. If you are a business owner and this, or you're building a business and you are serious about being professional with what you want to do, do not waste your time on YouTube. Don't sign up for some one hundred dollar course. Go to Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. Give him your $2,000 and show up every week to his course. He is hands down the best podcast educator on this planet. He is the person who has taught the top 100 business podcasters in Apple how to podcast. He is the go-to guy. He gets my full endorsement. It was the best online course, the best $2,000 I've ever spent in my life. This happened every week in all three of those groups. Now, the other part where it says when you uh, it, selling becomes infinitely easier, well, those people who were seeing that just said, Hey, Cliff, take my $2,000. That was awesome. Doors will open. I would go to conferences and people are like, Hey, Cliff, why don't you come up to my suite? I'm inviting a couple of uh, high influence people and we're going to get together and have a little gathering before tonight's big thing. And I'm like, awesome. So I'm here in Las Vegas, Los Angeles, New York City, and I'm in these penthouse suites talking with people who are the biggest influencers in the world. And I had a private invitation because of this aura status. And then what was the other one? Um, Let's see here. Party invitations will appear. Okay, media mentions will drop from the heaven. There, As far as I know, there are no other podcast consultants that if you go to uh, Wikipedia And search for their name, you'll find it. But if you go to Wikipedia, you'll search for Cliff Ravenscraft. You will find me in there. And the reason why is Wikipedia requires that you have traditional media exposure. I've been on national radio, national television. I've been in countless magazines, countless newspapers, local, all of that stuff. Media mentions have fallen from the heavens. So reason number three. My, Do you want me to give you the other reasons? No, or yeah. Go should for we it. tell
1: them to go read it? No, no. You just roll through them. But I have a specific question that I'm going to come back to.
0: Excellent. Reason number four: You'll make more money by doing less. Margin is everything. Reason number five high prices attract big spenders. There is a certain group of people in this world who will pay more for the little extras. These people will intuitively gravitate towards good customer service, style, and speed. In other words, they want the best and they want it now. Increase your price, and you'll attract people with money to spare who value what you do. Let me tell you, I had a workshop that I did here in my home studio, the Next Level Studio, and it was building an online business workshop. It was $2,000 a piece. But every time, I offered $7,500 for one person, and that person could come and spend an extra day after everyone else had gone home for one-on-one mentoring with me. And so there's always that person that will gravitate towards the price of your product. All right, reason number six As prices go up, customer issues and complaints go down. The more you charge, the less debt-collecting, refunds, and general hassles you'll have to deal with. The customers who make the decision to shell out for your pricier product will take it upon themselves to be better educated about what you offer. They'll be more decisive, more committed, and offer fewer objections." By the way, I'm the only person I know, and I know lots of people who have sold millions of dollars in online courses. So far to date, I'm the only person I know who has had a 100% satisfaction rating on a Podcasting on a course like podcasting A to Z. Reason number seven higher rates will motivate you to over deliver. When you start charging more, you'll quickly find out that you need to deliver more. Increasing your rates overnight will make you sweat with the need to be more awesome. You'll be petrified that you're not worth it, that you're somehow not awesome enough to have high prices. That fear is a good thing. Higher rates will cause you to grow, to invest in yourself, to become more awesome. Those are seven reasons why if you were to double your rates tonight, you will double your success. These are seven reasons why people desperately need you to charge them more.
1: I'm going to print that off later. But the question for me that shines through all of that is there's the commodity trap that I do what I do. There's other people who do what I do. If I put my prices up, I potentially freeze myself out. The antidote to that and you've kind of alluded to it, is being visibly different. Part of that is price, but a lot of it is the legend that you create about yourself, what you would call the personal brand. The guy down the road couldn't charge your prices because he doesn't have what you have. How important, and I guess this answers the question right at the beginning of the show about what's the ROI on podcasting. The ROI on podcasting today is, for you, I guess, you are leading your mission on the one hand, but you're able through this positioning and your personal brand to be distinctly different and to command those prices. Would you say that's a fair summary?
0: I I think I see where you're going. The concern that I have (laughs) is this, there is a guy literally down the road. Actually, there are two guys literally down the road. One is within an hour of my home, the other person is within 2 hours of my home. They have both been podcast consultants since 2008 or 9, all right? Both of them have created incredibly insane amounts of podcast content. Maybe not as much as I have, but not everybody's aware of what I've created. So, but but still they've created in the thousands of podcast episodes. But I will tell you right now, they still cannot and may never be able to charge what I'm charging until they break up with the beliefs that they're holding onto as being true. It's not the it's not the return on how much content I've put out into the world because here's, I, when I started the Prosperous Coach Method for creating clients, I read this book by Rich Litvin and Steve Chandler I fell in love with it instantly, and I began to implement it, and I started seeing instant success. But then I had a couple of people who said, Cliff, okay, I'm... I'm going to have to just call you out on this. You keep talking about how awesome the Prosperous Coach Method is. The only thing is, is Cliff, you've been out there for more than a decade. You've got thousands upon thousands. I have 4,700 podcast episodes in 48 different shows out there in the world. There are hundreds of thousands of people who know you who you are. Of course, it's easy for you to connect with people, instantly build rapport and trust, and then serve them powerfully and then propose to them. And I said, great, I will take your challenge. And they're like, what? I said, I'll take your challenge. Here's what I will do. Effective immediately, I'm deleting every application in social media off of my phone. I will not publish a single social media post for two months. I am also not going to publish a single podcast episode over the next two months. I will not write or release a single email newsletter over the next two months. And I will purposely steer away from anyone on this planet who has ever heard the name Cliff Ravenscraft. I will now use the Prosperous Coach method for creating clients and at any point during the connection process, which is step one, If I learn that they know who I am or have heard my name, I will instantly disqualify them as a potential client. I made $90,000 those two months.
1: Right. For the audio listener, I'm gobsmacked. For the video listener, you can kind of see it. I am about one third of the way through the Prosperous Coach book. I'm very new to that. And what I loved about it is it is It is not rocket science. It's very simple. It's very authentic. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm eating my own words here because I can see how taken to its logical conclusion, I can see where the book's going. Actually being the best known isn't really necessary. Knowing your stuff, that kind of is necessary, but what it does allow is for quality to rise to the top. And if, and only if you do the inner work, to work through these limiting beliefs, you can be very successful. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you went there.
0: And I want to, I want to add to this. Don't get me wrong; there is a return on investment on podcasting. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. So, so I want you to know, I th- th- that person who came to me, Shercliff, sure you have found such. Yeah, he was right. Uh, uh, prior to making the commitment that I will not bring on, I will not pursue or create a client that has heard my name before, prior to that, everybody, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, Cliff, it's so exciting to be here on this one. Thank you so much for this complimentary coaching session. I have been listening to you for the last 13 years. Yes, I've heard that. And yes, there is something powerful about the fact that they've heard my voice for 13 years, even though they've never reached out to me to email me, they've never left a comment, they've never let me know that they're listening for 13 years. And here, for some reason, something I said recently in a podcast episode sparked their their attention and said, I, okay, it's been long enough, I'm going to respond to Cliff, or I'm going to go apply for that coaching thing that he just talked about. So I do benefit from, count. I mean, literally, Countless hours of investing into people's lives, the reciprocity that I have built up with hundreds of thousands of people in the world, I could instant. They say that money doesn't fall off trees or grow on trees. I will tell you right now, I have every podcast and every every podcast and audience and community I've ever built. I literally have money trees, and all I have to do is go create a new podcast episode and shake the tree, and money falls into my bank account. It is that today.
1: But what I love is that with the kind of prosperous coach methodology, which we're not going to go through today, everybody, is it's a book and it's quite thick. But using that process, the strong personal brand and the recognition isn't a prerequisite. You don't have to wait 15 years. With a bit of inner work and some process, you can be winning tomorrow, which is what I love about it. So Cliff, if people want to connect with you, if they want to go deeper with you, what's your current most active and logical extension podcast for them to go listen to? And how would you like people to connect with you? Well,
0: the podcast is, gosh, that's a good question. I have 48 to choose from. <laughs> I would say that if you're really resonating with my voice overall, then I would encourage you to check out The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. It, it's it's all about mindset, about all of these kind of topics. And every episode is hopefully everything that I've done over the last two and a half years. And there's 691 episodes so far, but the last two and a half years, I've been very intentional about any content that gets released there. I don't publish every single week anymore, but if I publish an episode, you better believe it's worthy of your attention. And what I love about it is people who have never heard my name before, they go to the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And usually about six or seven weeks later, I get an email that says, hey, I just discovered you because you were on Clubhouse or LinkedIn doing a live audio, social audio session. And by the way, I checked out your podcast. I have been listening to I've been binge listening to your content for the last six or seven weeks. And it's the Cliff Ravenscraft show that they're doing that to. Which, by the way, that's just a little hint. That's one of the reasons why I stopped publishing content every single week. I only want to publish 10 out of 10 episodes. So, that, yeah, definitely, that would be a place to go. If you're a coach... And you want to learn how to take your coaching skills to the next level? Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching, which is over at notesoncoaching.com. But those are, those are the podcast. If what I've shared with you is resonating with you at all, do yourself a favor and go to mindsetanswerman.com/free. And on that page, you will be given the ability to put your name and email address to sign up for my mailing list. But you'll get Instant access to the opening keynote address to my annual Free the Dream conference called All Beliefs Have Consequences. I've only touched on the surface of beliefs. You will see me tearing up three $100 bills and throwing it into the trash. And you will learn and understand why I used to do that every single week in my business and how you were doing the same. And more importantly, you'll learn how. Not only how all those beliefs have consequences, but you're going to learn the four-step process on eliminating all of the limiting beliefs that exist in your life, and how to condition empowering alternative beliefs. All beliefs have consequences. It's a one-hour talk. It will absolutely transform the way you experience life itself. MindsetAnswerMan.com/free
1: and Cliff. The last question, the one I ask every guest, is: what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago?
0: Mm. This is easy for me to answer. I would say I invest a minimum of 10 to 15 minutes every single day in quiet meditation. Sometimes a good deal more, but at least 10 to 15 minutes every day of my life stilling the thoughts of my mind and going from being a human doing to a human being and recognizing that my existence is not limited to this material world and that in essence, I'm a divine spiritual being having a human experience and my divine essence is not touched by anything that happens in this world. It's just I came here to have this experience called life and I want to live it to its fullest, and I want to remain consciously in the moment. Like, I've been hanging out here with Bob, and you know, th- there's nothing else that's on my mind. I'm not thinking about what am I doing later today, where do I have to go, all this other stuff. What I love about a conversation, what I love about coaching, what I love about creating content is it's, it gives me this opportunity to be in a flow state where really nothing else matters than being right now. And meditation gives me that opportunity, even if I don't have a scheduled call like
1: this. What's really interesting, and it's really just striking me now, is your answer is the same answer as the most successful podcast guests I've ever had on. It's it's uniformly the same answer. Obviously, you bring different perspectives to it, but I can think of probably the 10 most successful people I've had on the show, same answer. There's you something hear- there
0: there there is something there and do you want to know where this all spawned from me or, or for me is i read a lot of books about the most incredibly successful people people call them geniuses if you will i love reading their biographies and more importantly i love reading their autobiographies and if you look at nikola tesla leonardo da vinci benjamin franklin all these people who we all know and have, literally, we benefit, Steve Jobs even. If you look at all of these people, what do they all have in common? They have found something within meditation on a consistent, ongoing basis that is transformative of your experience of this material world. There's so many Steve Jobs stories, and one of my favorite things, he's like, as soon as you realize that this world is in such a way that you can... You can stick your finger in it and something will pop out on the other side. Everything in life changes. And and I didn't understand that fully when I first watched that little clip from that interview from 1980-something. But knowing what I know about Steve Jobs now and his favorite book, which by the way, his favorite book on the planet is called Autobiography of a Yogi by Manhanza Yogananda. And I read that book and I learned that this was Steve Jobs' favorite book. He read it as a 17 year old kid. It inspired him to go to India on a pilgrimage. He ended up finding the same yogi guru that the Beatles did. Um, when he was in e- India, he felt inspired to read that book again uh, in in full. And then on his return home from India, he made a commitment: I will read Autobiography of a Yogi once a year, every year for the rest of my life, and. At his memorial service, Steve Jobs had prepared a wooden box that was custom-built for each attendee that he knew was coming to his his memorial service after his death, and inside it was this velvet-purple lining, and inside it was a hardcover copy of Autobiography of Yogi. And I read that, and that's what really turned me on to the power of meditation, and it really helped me understand even— a great and have a greater appreciation for the teachings of Jesus about meditation, where, you know, he leads me beside still waters. And I kind of think of still waters, the rushing waters is the endless thoughts that are swimming in my head all the time and all that inner voice and inner dialogue. But he says, listen, I, I will lead you towards still waters. Let's calm down and see the reflection of who you are and, and experiencing that oneness and that's that's what he prayed he said i pray that they would be one as you and i are one so that's what i experience in meditation
1: yeah and that's a wonderful place i think to bring things to an end cliff i am really grateful for your time today i would love to have you back again because there's so much more ground to cover i can't even begin but that does bring us to the end of another episode thank you to you for listening at home and if you have enjoyed the show then I would gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. That's five, like the fingers on your hand. And if you did enjoy the show, then you will love the personal brand Business Roadmap. It's 100% free as a gift from me. It's 30 pages of everything you need to start to scale or just fix your expert business. You'll find that at amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap. Cliff, thank you so much for your time today. You have been awesome. I've really enjoyed myself.
0: Bob. It has been a delight and I'm incredibly honored to meet you and to have an opportunity to share even a portion of my story with those who are listening.
1: Thank you very much.